she's on the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I am your host, Caroline Hobby. I know music, I know people, and I know the questions you want to ask. So let's get hyper. Heads up, these are adults having adult conversations, so there could be adult content. So this week I'm having a surprise guest that was not planned. Tony Brown was planned for this episode, but I'm pushing him back to next week because I have to take the time to interview my father. We were on vacation in the Bahamas last week, and he got bit in the face by a shark. A shark bit my dad in the face. I mean, are you kidding me? Who on this earth has survived a shark bite and let alone survived a shark bite to the face? So he's fine. He's doing great. He's going to heal up just perfectly, have some cool scars. But I had to get this story out there because it's so incredible. And not only is the story so incredible, my dad is amazing. He's an incredible husband. He's an incredible father. He's an incredible businessman. He's a dentist and he's built an institute, a dental institute. And he has so much wisdom to share and just top it off with the story of the shark bite and how he handled that and how he processed all that. So here's my dad, Steve Cutbirth. Y'all get excited. Okay. So I am here. How does it all look, Mom? Are we looking good? Great. I'm here with my dad, Steve Cutbirth, who is also a shark bite survivor. Which we at, we think you might be the only one who survived a shark bite to the face. We've looked it up. Mm-hmm. We haven't found anyone else, right? I'm, I'm not in on that. I don't know. It's all fun and games now because you're fine. Right. But for a while, this is very scary. I could see why people would think that was interesting. <laughs> so we want to get all into the shark bite. But before I do that, I want to start at the beginning of your life. Kind of give someone who's listening a little bit of an idea of who you are. So... I'm going to start with some questions. Tell okay. me, the, don't look at my questions. Okay. Tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I tell you, ask you a question. Uh-oh. Don't, you can't think about it. Okay. Shark. You're thinking. Ride. <laughs> <laughs> the okay. shark ride. Right now it says shark bite. Shark yeah. bite. Death. Never think about that. Never. Never. Okay. Never think about that. It's not on your radar? Yeah. Not worried about it. Great. Do you think there's something that happens after this life? I do. I think you go to a wonderful place after you die. And I think that, that people, I've always thought that people that worry about death are, and don't think you go to a wonderful place after you die and don't think that there's something out there bigger than all of us are going to have a hard time getting through life because you can't prove it one way or the other. But I think you lead a much better life if you just decide that's what happens so you can have relationships with your spouse with children with I mean your children your grandchildren your friends and I I can't think of anything worse than thinking there wasn't something big that connects us and that you go to a wonderful place when you die I just choose to believe that I love that okay food a shrimp Uncle Dan's barbecue uh, elk and quesador, uh, chicken fajita quesadillas. These are your go-to's. These are, these are Waco restaurants. 
funny, we've eaten at some of the finest restaurants in the world, but if I had to pick last meal, it'd probably be Uncle Dan's. What do you get at Uncle Dan's? I, I've gotten the same thing for 34 years. A lean sliced plate, yellow potato salad, baked beans, two pieces of wheat bread, mild sauce, two deviled eggs, sweet tea, <laughs> this half tea and half water with lemon, and it's just perfect. So would you say you're a creature of habit? If I find something I like, I don't, that I really like, as in the case of your mother. Tell me about that. Huh? Then How so? I don't look for something else. I'm happy. So when you laid eyes on mom, you knew? Well, it was kind of a funny story because... I was in college my sophomore year taking uh, organic chemistry in the, sum- in the summer. And my roommate at the time was not my regular roommate. He was a fifth year senior that was in graduate school, but he was just there for the summer because my roommate had gone home. So we were in the same fraternity, so we were sharing an apartment. And he said, we got to get you out of here. Your brain's going to explode. And I said, okay, I'll have a break between the two summer semesters and we'll go do something he said super so he was dating this girl and he was going to get me a blind date and we were going to go water skiing with a guy that was a friend of his in Waco that had a boat on Lake Waco so the day comes and we go out there get out of the car and there is this girl walking up the boat dock in a green bikini and I said to the guy, I'm going to marry that girl. He said, you don't even know her, and she's my date. Oh. And I said, are you engaged? And he said, well, no. And I said, good luck. And that was it. That was it. Something that about it. it. Never looked back. Knew. Never looked back. So when you find something you like, you stick with it. That's it. I'm done. I like that. Okay. Uh, fun. Outdoor. Um. I like sports. I love hard mountain bike trails. I love to play football. I'm really more of a player than a watcher. I love to play golf. Uh, We've never been to Las Vegas, but I don't know if I can play golf without betting a little bit. My perfect golf round is you could win or lose $100. Okay. And uh, what else do I like? I love spear fishing. Even though it almost kills you by a shark. I'll be back in there the next day. It is kind of interesting because I don't hunt. You know, I have if I find a, a scorpion in the house or a cricket, I'll catch it and take it outside. But spearfishing is so fascinating because it's so difficult. Number one, you've got a just a dive mask and a snorkel and fins. You're holding your breath. This this the spear is not a spear gun. It's a Hawaiian sling with a wooden shooter and uh, surgical tubing and a little cup that the spear goes through. And so you've got to dive down 30 feet, you know, 25, 30 feet, find a fish. It's got, the fish has got every advantage and we only eat, we only spear what we eat. And then spear the fish, then corral the fish, then go to the top and you've got the extra little color of sharks well you took that to a whole new level this trip with a shark bite to the face which we're going to get all into that in a little bit 
But that is quite the uh, taking it to the max. Well, it wasn't intended. Which but, you're holding uh, your mask right now of the, that you were wearing when the shark attacked you, which I think yeah. this mask saved your face. I, I'm pretty sure that's right. Let's just hold this yeah. up. This mask saved Dad's face. There's a big old slice near the nose, which well, here is... It la- see, it bit me. We want to get into that now? We're talk you, about yeah, you can give us a little, okay. just a little bit. Don't go into full detail. Well, see, this has been laying on the ocean floor since Saturday, and today's Thursday. And Will, my son-in-law, and Marcus, the son of the guide, went back just for fun to see if they could find it. So they actually found the spear shaft that had the, the fish on it, and they found this mask on the bottom of the ocean 30 feet down. And they found a 60-foot grouper, which they shot. Yeah. <laughs> so you can see how the shark's teeth lacerated the strap. Then it, I'll hold it against my white shirt, lacerated the nose area. This is the, where it got my lip. And then it's got a hole here in the nose where it got my nose and then it's got you can't see that but it's got teeth marks on the top and the bottom of the mask so in my mind the reason that it just bit and didn't tear was the teeth hit that plastic around the mask and it felt foreign and so it and hard and it released rather than completing the bite and so this mask saved your life Saved your face, at least. Well, I mean, it 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 is allowed me to have that edgy look rather than <laughs> a stranger look. Yeah. So thank goodness for that mask. Okay. Yeah. Celebrity. Celebrity. Yeah. Um. Gosh, that's a hard one. First uh, thing that comes to mind. James Bond, Matt Damon. You like the My adventure. My man, Matt Damon, because so we're lived, like besties. You lived out your adventure story. You lived out your adventure movie. I did. Well, you know, Matt Damon is an interesting story. What is it? You know, I, we were at the, staying at the uh, Four Seasons Hotel in Austin. It was late one night. I can't remember why we were there. And I was about to get on the elevator to go up, probably about 1130. And here comes this dude walking in with a, a toboggan and just a green t-shirt and green pants and some like combat boots on and I said uh, I said what do you what I said I it reached my hand out and said Steve Cutbirth and he said Matt, Matt Damon. Damon I said I know who you are <laughs> I said what are you what are you doing in Austin he said well we're filming True Grit oh wow I said this may be one of the best days of your life because my daughter at the time, you were stealing angels. And I said, my daughter sings in a band with John Wayne's granddaughter and Loretta Lynn's granddaughter. So how about that they sing a song or write a song as the theme song for True Grit? And he said, that's a great idea. Why didn't it happen? Well, I gave him my card and he said, I'll call you. He never called. Never called. Never Matt, wrote. we're waiting for your phone call. I guess... I guess Rude. a one-way deal. Yeah, I'm annoyed at that. But really, a nice guy. That I mean, could have been my as, ticket. Yeah, he is. He's as nice a guy as he seems like he is. So we were just besties for about five seconds. seconds. <laughs> well, probably about <laughs> a minute riding up the elevator it was before over. we got in. Short-lived yeah. best friendship. Yeah. Okay, what do you find annoying? Hmm? What do you find annoying? 
uh, excessive talk, meaningless talk, just chatter, just people just narrating, so filling most, the air. So most of the world you find annoying. No, I like a good conversation. I love a good story, but I don't like just chatter <laughs> to fill the air. Okay, you want to talk about something in particular? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then when you finish, be like a pinpoint ending, just stop talking. What yeah. do you fear? Sharon getting mad at me. <laughs> She's really got or you. Leaving me. See, if she left me, I've always said if she ever threw me out, I'd just have a little tent in the front yard <laughs> cooking out there, and it'd be raining and cold, and you and Catherine would say, oh, just give him. See, I've given you this. This may be a country dog already. I've sent you this uh, hook several times, and maybe somebody already, I think somebody wrote this song. Give me one more last chance. That give me one my, more shot. Give I'll me, no, give it no, no, it's one more last chance. <laughs> is, is that a song? I'm sure. That's what I say to mom all the time. I say, just give me one more. So last if mom chance. left you, you'd be toast. She's a good-hearted woman. Thank and goodness, so right? She gets that occasionally. She'll try to get that stern look, but it doesn't last. Why would she need to be stern with you? Just because I'm bad sometimes. <laughs> Not bad, bad, but just kind of, I'm good. But I'm. I've you just got push a, your limits. A little. St- a streak. Not, I would never do anything bad. Right. But just... <laughs> You're a little rough around the edges. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, this got the shark right to prove it, right? Okay, so you grew up on a ranch in Brownwood, Texas, right. and you always talk about Code of the West and how that shaped your values and moral system. Tell me why that has impacted you and what that means to you. Well, most of my family, my dad was a medical doctor, but most of my family were ranchers and farmers, and they were just very direct. You know, my, my granddad used to say a deal's a deal and paper has nothing to do with it. You know, if, if you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And I think that's a pretty good way to live your life. Um, no, I've, uh, growing up in Brownwood, it was the football capital of the world. Sports have played a huge part of your life. Talk oh, about that gosh. too. Oh my gosh. Well, I coached all y'all's teams mm-hmm. and then I it's, it's funny with Caroline and Catherine, the first game of soccer I ever saw was the first game I coached when Catherine <laughs> was about seven. But all ball games are about the same. You're trying to get the ball into this scoring area down here and keep the other team from getting it into this scoring area down here. So, Why can all of life be defined by Code of the West in sports to okay. you? Um, well, it's, it's try. You know, that's my favorite phrase. Just try. Let's just try. Too many people, you know, get into something that's hard and they just quit. And when I was coaching your teams, I remember when your team was playing, you were a fourth grade team and y'all were playing a fifth grade team and we didn't have a single person on the team, on our fourth grade team, because we were playing in standard baskets that could get the ball to the rim. And so we had what we called the secret plan. I won't go into that, but our motto was we had a plan to keep the other team from scoring 20 points because we knew we couldn't score because we couldn't get it to the hoop. So the plan was to keep (laughs) them from scoring. From a slaughter. Yeah, because they'd beaten these fourth grade teams 60 to nothing. And I said, no team of mine is going to be beaten 60 to nothing. So our motto was let's just try and execute the plan. So this coach, Gordon Wood, 
And he's like a world-renowned coach from Brownwood, Texas. He's the winningest coach of all time. He won more state championships, more games, and that was back in the day. And he really impacted you. Oh, man. They only took one team to the playoffs. Now they take half the district. But then they only took one. And he never talked about the assets of the other team. If there was a big guy on the other team, if there was a fast guy on the other team, he didn't care what they did. He executed our plan. And he taught me systems. And so I... And that's transferred into your dentistry and into your, really every has. aspect of your it life. It really has. Um, I'd, I'd written this article one time for Keck, Texas Coach Magazine that Coach Wood had asked me to write because we were both on the board of the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. And he was getting older and he said, Steve, I want you to write a 30-year retrospective on the value of high school football. And I wrote that article for Texas Coach Magazine just for Coach Woods, not really thinking how all that transferred to my later life. And after I got through, I said to my staff, if y'all want to know why we run our practice the way we do, read this article. Mm-hmm. And it was just the, you know, his, his system and, and what I've tried to do in my dental practice and other things is just... Uh, kind of what he did which was fundamentals he always got the fundamentals right he never lost a game because somebody jumped off sides or got a, a, a what do you call it a personal foul penalty or something that was stupid yeah you know you and in a real tight game that could make the difference so you just play like you practice play you like don't worry you practice, about the other team fundamentals execute and what is code of the West? Uh, oh, I know. The the other thing, the, the play like you practice is really a huge thing, and we use that on all of your teams, which always won the championship, oh, by yeah. the way. Oh, yeah. When somebody's standing at the free throw about to shoot a free throw, you cannot say, I've got to make that free throw. It's too much pressure. If you do, you'll miss it. The only thought that ought to be in your mind is shoot like you practice. In practice, I dribble the ball three times, hold it right here, Take a deep breath and shoot. And if you've got that that mentality, you always want to have the ball in your hands at the end of the game. And you, if you shoot the basket, shoot the ball. Say you're taking a three-point shot to win the game and you miss. People that have never been in that situation are going to go, "Oh, she missed." But anybody that's been in that situation is going to be looking to see if you shot like you practiced mm-hmm. and understanding that from three-point range, you're probably going to only get a hit about one out of three anyway. So you didn't choke. You just missed. And you had the courage to have the ball in your hands at the end of the game. So you've never been scared to have pressure on you? Well, I've been able, because of what I learned back then and other parts of my life, I Because football has transferred into your dentistry practice. Let's talk about that. It's a mind thing. You know, if you can't get your mind in the right place, you can be the greatest athlete or greatest at doing what, but whatever it is. But if you, if you don't have your mindset, then I think you're not ever going to be very successful if you're worried about failure. So how has that transferred into dentistry? Because you've gone on to become a world-renowned dentist. You you speak all over the world. You have a dental institute called CARD you're Center kind. for you're Aesthetic kind. Restorative Dentistry. <laughs> yeah. You've even done some country music teeth. You did Bobby Bones and Amy Brown on the Bobby Bones Show. I mean, you've done a lot of cool dentistry 
you've really done a lot in dentistry. So how has that motto of the code of the West, play like you practice, transferred into your dental practice and your lifestyle? Well, I only think about the things I can control in my whole life. I don't think about things I can't control. And island plan, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'll forget. You remember okay. that? So from the get-go, I said, I want to be the finest restorative dentist that's ever lived. Restorative dentistry is veneers and crowns and bridges and implants and things like that. Well, you you don't have to be that smart because anybody that knows you knows I'm not that smart. <laughs> I I'm very, disagree. I'm very, um, uh, what's the word, perseverance. Mm-hmm. Pers- I'll stay with it. And you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be really good at something. You've got to be trained. And so I have always told you and any of the girls on my team or our teams that if you want to be the best at something, first you have to identify those people that are the very best. Totally. get to them. True that. And so I got to those people. One was in Switzerland, Dallas, New York, you know, wherever they were, I just got in the plane and went. And you just called them up. Back when we didn't have any money. You've always said that. People are so afraid to call the top dogs, and you never happen. And tell them, I don't want you to spoon feed me. I don't want to bother you, take any of your time. But I'd just like to come see what you do. And then once I get there, I say, how did you learn what you learned? And they're they're glad to tell you. Isn't that interesting? They're happy to tell you. People think that it's like the homecoming queen or something, that they're untouchable, but they're not. Well, when I went to see that guy in uh, Badabling that does cancer treatment, none of us have cancer, by the way. Where's but, that was Germany, right? Germany, yeah. And this guy had invented this new cancer treatment that, uh, and I went over to see him, and he said, "Now, what type of doctor are you?" And I said, "Well, I'm a dentist." He said, "Why are you here?" I said, "I just had to know." I said, "Don't, don't uh, medical people." come over and see you from the United States all the time and he said no you're the first one so I think people just they just yeah the homecoming queen they think it's everybody thinks the homecoming queen's already got a date but probably nobody called her because they didn't (laughs) they thought she already had a date yeah so you're just curious and you're not afraid to ask well it is it's a funny thing because so many people Especially older people are going, oh my gosh, the times we're in right now. And if I hear one more time, I worry for my grandchildren, I think I'm going to throw <laughs> up. We're living in the best possible times. You can get on a plane right now and go anywhere. True. And I think that by traveling to different interesting places around the world, uh, you see that there's no perfect spot, and we're living in the spot that everybody wants to go to. The United States is where everybody wants to go. It's That's freedom. where they want to live. Yeah. And I've got a, a dental assistant that is from Mexico, and she is the most, just one of the most pleasant people in the world. And I've asked her, Louisa, what what's the big deal about the United States? And she, without blinking an eye, she says, opportunity. True. But they're not going to give it to you. <laughs> you got to work for it. Yeah, you got to work for it. But, you know, what do you want? You got opportunity. But anyway, back to the dental thing. I never thought about productivity or money or things like that. I wanted to have enough money that 
your mom, Sharon, and I could buy a house that she wouldn't be embarrassed to bring her friends. That was your goal? That was my goal. I said, I'd just like to have a decent house that Sharon would not be embarrassed to bring her friends. And so I never thought about anything else. And I want to be the best at this that's ever been. And then... That's like Muhammad Ali. He claimed he was the greatest even before he was. Well, I didn't necessarily want to claim I was the greatest. I just wanted technically to know I was the greatest because... Or was, in my mind, the best because I would have a hard time talking to people about their options if I didn't think I knew everything that could be done to fix it and was using the best in the world. And this was an interesting time when I first started because interest rates were 14% and it went up to 21%. And nobody wanted to do this route of dentistry that you were doing. HMOs. What does that mean? They just come in. Managed care. Managed care means you sign up to a program. They tell you what you can do. They tell you what you can charge. And so it's a, a prescription for mediocrity. There's a place for it. But you can't do the very best of anything in that mediocre, mediocre, mediocre. situation. It's like uh, communism or a, a socialized It's like system. fast food. Yeah, everything's the same. It'd be like every restaurant in the world it's had like to charge the very same thing yeah. and you know have the same product. And with managed care and Medicaid, it's a lot of people don't know it. It's like the... the story about buying watermelons for a dollar I mean buying watermelons for two dollars and sell them for a dollar and try to make up the cost differential in volume you can't do it so I was never cut out for that so we've never done managed care or Medicare Medicaid any of that not that I don't think there's a place for it but, but it's just not for me everyone told you you couldn't make it doing the way That's you right. did it they said you're going to go broke if you don't, I was about 26, 27 when it came in, and this guy gave a seminar at our dental society and said, if you know, if y'all don't sign up, then you're going to go broke, you're going to want to get on, and they're not going to let you on. And I said, screw them. And it's turned out great for you. To hell with it. We'll go somewhere else. Somebody's going to want what I do. And what exactly do you do? Quickly, in a I do. I, my training is in complex restorative dentistry, but it didn't start like that. When I started, I was doing dental hygiene, everything. And we see all kinds of people. But my training is in complicated things like porcelain veneers, missing uh, front teeth, full mouth reconstructions, implants. And every so every day, it's evolved from just dirt into I see one patient every morning from eight in the morning until one or two or three or four in the afternoon. If it's that late, we'll take a little break at lunch. And they've got IV sedation. So they've got a Versed and Demerol, which are very safe drugs, just takes the edge off. And uh, we're doing Complex something complicated every morning. Then we do easy things in the afternoon. Say some, when we see people's kids I like that but it's just complicated cases your specialty yeah okay you lost a brother at 36 how did that affect your life well it it's uh, you know he and I were the same size same height same weight we both had been had loved athletics um, and he was just playing tennis one day and at 36 and dropped dead of an arrhythmia and we I think my family kind of marked time by his 
death. And from then on, I just thought, you can't anticipate it. You, you don't want to be stupid, but you sure don't want to go through your life playing it completely safe. And Because uh, he was in perfect health. As far as he knew. Yeah. Just had a, a lot of times a good athlete or good athletes die of arrhythmias. But, um, you know, the not playing it safe has kind of gone to extremes because Sharon and I have gone to places like Outer Mongolia, which is three days from nowhere with a, a guide and a cook and a old Russian got van stranded with and no roads. And here come these Mongolians riding up on horses with 1950s rifles across their back. And Sharon <laughs> and I looked at each other and said, Oh, this could be interesting. But after that trip, her friend said, Steve, you've taken this too far. <laughs> Maybe I'm going too far. But we've had we've had a good time. So basically, though, with the passing of your brother, though, that helped you to be a little fearless. Oh, you know, again, not stupid. I don't want to take chances with people. Like you're not going to see me riding down the road on a motorcycle with Sharon on the back, right? Because that's I like things that I've got a little control over. You know, if the little old lady pulls out in front of you, but for myself, you know, I do hard mountain bike riding and you know how it is you know, mm-hmm. when we first went to Waco I was still playing uh, city league football for the first 10 years and you and Catherine would go to those games and after about one night I went home my face was all bloody and my hands were all and you and Catherine once said dad you've got to grow up <laughs> <laughs> so I like I like things with a little edge not stupid edge but with a little Edge. Okay, so now we want to get to the shark bite. Okay. Tell me, briefly, don't go into too much detail, tell me about what, how long you've been coming to this island, okay. what your routine is with spearfishing, and why this one day was different and the shark attacked you. Okay. We've been coming to this island 30 years, briefly. Going out with the same guy 30 years. He was 32, I think, when we started, or 37, and now he's 67. And we've gone with his son, David, uh, and we've Marcus. gone with his, his other son, Marcus. And so we've got a protocol which Sharon set because there used to really not be as many sharks over here as there are now. Back in the day, you'd see one every now and then because they used to, shark fishing was a thing way back then. And they quit doing that. And I don't know if it's the warm water, we've talked about it, but. Back then, you'd see a shark, and if you were here for a week, maybe two or three times. Now, whenever you get into spear, you pretty much know every time a shark is going to come. And we're not afraid of them, but we're respectful. So the protocol which Sharon and Lincoln set up was after you speared two or three fish in a place with these Hawaiian slings, you move to another spot because Blood's the sharks the are going to come in. Blood's in the water. And anytime you see a shark, you you go to a different spot, obviously. Right. So in this and we see day, sharks every time. Oh, we're not. And sharks do not want to bite people. If you're just <laughs> snorkeling in the water, you don't have any. And it's clear water like the Caribbean. You don't have a thing to worry about. We've been, uh, Will's been back spearfishing every day with the guides since I had this. 
and your he, son-in-law? You and he, yes, my son-in-law, Will Powers. Uh, and he and Catherine live in uh, Austin. And, of course, uh, Caroline and Michael, Hobby, A Thousand Horses, <laughs> Smoke. Your favorite band. Yes, my favorite band live in Nashville. Uh, and Will's in the he's oil like, and gas compliance business And he's in actually Austin. the editor of Spearing editor Magazine. Spearing Magazine. So he knows what he's doing. So... What was I talking about? Oh, you were talking we about don't be scared if you're in the Caribbean yeah, snorkeling. They don't want you. But if you're spearing and you've got a fish that's been speared, wake up. Because that shark is only doing its job, which is keeping the ocean clean by eating dead and injured fish. And this shark was no different. He was just doing his job, and it to be a, happened to be a perfect storm. So here's what we do. When we go... Spearing, we're generally in probably 20 to 30 feet of water. That's a that's a free dive depth, and so we get in and we stay together. Usually, there's there's always at least two of us, and sometimes three, and we stay together. And you know, then you'll go dive right there. Well, in this case, Will and Tyrone, who is Lincoln, our guide's uh, nephew and I were together and there was fish here and a fish here and I went after this fish and they went after this big hogfish and so Tyrone went down and speared that fish and he and Will were together and as they were coming to the surface this big five six foot shark comes in and follows them all the way to the boat and they we go directly to the boat always with a fish and put it in the boat so that we don't ever drag them behind us but this shark came to the boat and actually knocked the Willie had his GoPro on his shooter which is the wooden handle and it actually knocked the shooter out of his hands so this shark was in feeding frenzy prehistoric dinosaur attack mode it attack wanted mode. food it wanted the fish and they call it hot. That fish, that shark was hot. That shark, and we don't mean sexy. No, no, <laughs> no. Not like you and mom and Catherine. This is just. This, uh, this fish yeah. was after the this fish. fish this was, shark wanted blood and the fish. It was it was dinosaur mode. Dinner bell had been rung. Dinner bell had been rung. And so, la-di-da, I'm over here, but. So you have no idea that it knocked no, Willie's and Tyrone's. No, because my fish had gone this way. And we're, you know, we're careful about staying together, but we're guys out there. Come on. Yeah. We're not, like, holding hands. <laughs> and, yeah, and I'm known to be focused and, you know. Lone Ranger. If there's a fish. Well, I'm in the group, but we're not. Yeah. We're not, because we really hadn't thought about this scenario. Who does? It's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. So, I wait. My fish is going across the sand. Giant hogfish. And it. I'm waiting for it to get to a coral head because you're visible if you go down and it's over the sand. So it finally gets to a coral head and goes behind a fan coral and then I go down and spear, get a good shot, get the fish, but then you've got to go down. And it was and a the, big one. Yeah, it's a big one. And it's a free spear. It's not connected to a line. So you've got to go down and get the fish on the spear and the spear's probably... You know, three foot long or more, feet long or more. And then you put the spear on the shooter so you can, and then you hold it 
right here. Some people hold it behind them, or you can hold it right here. It's easier to keep the fish the on the spear right here. If you're holding it behind you, because of the weight and the water pulling, it may pull the fish off of the spear. It's got a little barb that flaps out that holds it on, but still, a lot of times that's not out. And it could, and if it's heavy it enough, it could, it could rip through, and that's more blood in the water because it's longer in the water. I, I mean, more or less. So. Yeah, but anyway, I just did what Lincoln usually did, which was hold it up here. I don't know if anybody ever explained it to me, but I've got that fish right here. In front of your face. Yeah. And I don't have any idea of what's happened with Will and Tyrone and the hot shark. So I'm coming up past the coral head, and I'm 30 feet down. I'm coming up, and I've got that fish right here holding my shooter. And I'm probably within 10 feet of the boat. Now, you can imagine, I've I've dived, dove, dived down. down 30 feet, speared the fish, corralled the fish, put it on the shooter, you're out of breath. I'm, I'm and you have out, sensitive my lungs are inside out. Your ears are popping right throbbing. Right at the bottom. Now here we come, and I'm coming to the top. And I mean, I know I'm not going to die, but because I've had it enough. But you, you are can, focused on getting to the top. Yeah, you want to get to the top. I'm right here, about ten feet from the top, and all of a sudden, kaboom! Something hits me in the side of the head like a freight train, and you're not afraid you just your thought is just shock what, what did you think it was here? well see i was 20 feet above the bottom i was 10 feet above the top of the coral head i was 10 feet from the ocean surface i couldn't imagine what so you it had was. no thought to what it could be no i couldn't imagine what it was just shark it just no i didn't that never crossed my mind never crossed my mind well I, because in the movies you think of a shark biting something you don't think about it just blowing into you at full speed had no pain just boom and so I looked to the side and the thing has taken my mask has bitten my mask off and so I can't right see right here here's this mask no. bite ripped it right <laughs> side and top like we talked about so and it's cut the strap so I, all I can see is this blur right here this white underside and this giant mouth open and all these teeth because the water is crystal clear. And what do so, those teeth look like coming at you? Were they coming at you to eat you? Not just there. It's just like a picture. Right like were there. they coming towards your face? No. I mean, it's, it's, it's the weirdest thing because it's in ultra slow motion. As I thought about it, it was like a choreographed dance and it was in ultra slow motion on the one hand but on the other hand it was at lightning speed because again this fish was not after me it was i was in the way of it doing the its shark work the shark thing and so i don't think a synapse ever got from my brain to my hand or my arm or my legs i think it was on i think he as i said he was in prehistoric dinosaur kill mode and I was in prehistoric dinosaur and stress ancestral <laughs> I don't want you to kill me mode <laughs> yeah and so I just lashed out with my hand I may have had that shooter in my hand because I ended up in the boat with the shooter I'd lost my mask and the, uh, the spear I'd let go 
and I hit it on the side, right side of the head with this arm. And the shark was so big, I don't think I knocked it back. I think it just propelled me away from it. Well, he took about a second, and then he's back in just rooting down my... It was like a pig just rooting on my down side. down your side. Just burrowing down my side because the fish is now dropped, blood in the water. I'm moving. You know, he's just confused, and he's just rooting down here trying to find that fish all the way down my side and I hit him again and it, each time I guess it would propel me away and it'd give you about a second's break and then here he comes back in again. So you don't remember feeling the shark bite That's on your actual face? No, I think dying when the time is right, dying in a, a violent accident is probably the most painless thing that could ever happen to you. Because, well, you know how many times I've been hurt in my life from different yeah, things, yeah. and you never feel it when you get hurt. You feel it when you're recovering. But yeah. at the time you're hurt, you have no earthly idea. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't have a thought in my mind. And so then he finally gets down here. I'm just, you know, the whole way down. I'm hitting and kicking. And so. Did you think you were going to die? No. Why not? I didn't think anything. So you weren't thinking, this thing's going to kill me, I'm freaking out. No, you're not brave, you're not anything. You're just, again, prehistoric, dinosaur, ancestral. Survival mode. Survival, you're not going to, I don't want you to bite me mode. <laughs> yeah. And I never thought of kill, really. I just thought, whatever you're doing. So you didn't think you were going to That's just what I thought. I thought, whatever that shark is doing, I want it to go do something else, and <laughs> I want to go do something else. <laughs> Hit the road, Jack. Yeah, we've 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 done we've had enough of this. Were you worried it was going to bite your arm off or your face off? No, you don't even think about that. It's not a thought. That's crazy. You don't have time to think. I like I said, I don't think a thought got to my brain. I've got so much room in my head from now on to put new things in because I think it cured it completely. <laughs> I don't Blake's think there's it. a thought in there. So then I remember on the way up. You know, now we're separated. You pushed it away. You uh, dropped it, your well, fish Well, the spear's going down, and I think that's why, it, possibly why it Bit went down leg. my leg, because it's following that fish down. So now we're separated. And I remember thinking, this guy can swim 100 times faster than me. There's no sense in me swimming fast. So I just kind of swam reasonably up to the water, thinking I'm going to be relaxed, and if he hits me again, I'll be ready for it. Rather than just being in a frantic, I'll be prepared as much as you can so I got to the surface even and just felt this total sense of calm I was not frantic I was you know Sharon hates me to say this but I think I was really chuckling <laughs> why were you I chuckling? I don't know I was thinking you survived of this. something and I don't know what it was but it was just like it was almost surreal yeah, I mean, for some reason, anytime I take a mad mountain bike fall or something like that, mountain a lot of times fall. after mountain bike bike fall, I I usually am kind of chuckling after I get up and <laughs> that you made it through. You don't really know. What, it's almost funny because this really traumatic thing happened. You, you kind of just laugh. I wasn't worried about it coming up and getting me. You know, there's just blood everywhere, and so Lincoln, the boat guide with this, you know, that we've been going out with in this beautiful, melodic, Bahamian voice. They all kind of sing when they talk, and it always, <laughs> and he 
barked, Steve, I think he'd been bit in his classic understated way. Get in the boat. Yeah. And so I swim the 10 yards to the boat. At that point, I kick in and I say, hey, we made it this far. I think I'll motor on over there. Yeah, get the hell so out I of Dodge. So I threw my shooter in and then pulled, hoisted myself over the top. And Will was funny after that. He said, I didn't reach down to grab you because I wasn't sure if you had any hanging limbs. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, what if your arm yeah. had fallen off? Nobody knows. Who knows? And I didn't know. So I sit in the boat and... Uh, we go into triage mode and Will has taken these courses and stuff and so he comes back and he's looking at me of course blood's just everywhere but luckily nothing was pulsing which would have indicated arterial damage and there was none of that it was just bleeding and just boat blood and leg and all over my face and I mean, it was you in looked my like eye. a war wound yeah it was in my eye so I didn't know if I'd gotten bitten in the eye or you don't know anything. And that, my face is numb, so I don't know if it's And I'm going to add some there. color. When we saw you, your whole lip was hanging off. I mean, you got it stitched back on great, but I mean, your yeah. face was like hanging off. Well, it was interesting, for sure. <laughs> and so Will, you know, could t- he said, he was good because he said, are you in shock? And I said, no. I'm, he said, do you have the chills? He knew what the symptoms were, and I did too. And I said, no, I'm coherent, I don't feel dizzy, don't think I'm going to faint. I feel pretty good <laughs> overall. I mean, you're like and the only shark survivor who's just totally calm. So he says, you want me to take a photo of you so you can see? And I said, I might as well get it over with, go ahead. <laughs> and so he took a photo, and I, you know, my face was not gone. Uh, I didn't have any big pieces missing. My lip was you know, cut through and hanging down and I had, you know, just had blood over the, all over my face but I could tell that it was something that could be put back together and uh, was really relieved about that. You know, the first thought is, man, you've got a lot of blood on your face. But all in all, I, I was happy that the big pieces were there and there weren't any big pieces missing. And so, oh, this was funny. Will got a, the boat by, uh, we always uh, rent from Wade Cash, which is Sunset uh, Marina and Boat Rental, and the boat, Sharon loves it because the boats are always in top condition. They've got, the everything's brand new, the GPS works, the radios are brand new, they've got more than enough brand new life jackets. And so of course he had a fantastic first aid kit so Will takes out a bottle of alcohol that's about like does that. Does he pour it on your well, face? He said here Steve you want me to pour this on your face and I said there are going to be a number of things happening today but you pouring that alcohol <laughs> on my face is not one of them oh or my, my knee. He said, you know, I said or my knee. I said I will take my chances with infection. So we had a little chuckle about that. Then you get to the island and Shakira, well, your angel nurse. Well, we've got to think nurse. about what are we going to tell y'all. Oh, gosh. This and is Will the says, worst. And Will says, okay, <laughs> i got to call the girls and tell them we're coming in because, you know, they'll kill us if we don't say something. So he said, what am I going to say? And we thought for a minute. And I said, well, you don't want to tell somebody that's got to wait. We're 30 minutes out. You don't want to tell somebody Steve just got bit in the face by a shark. We'll and they've got to it. wait 30 minutes to see it. So I said, why don't you tell them. I ran into something sharp on the coral reef, and we're going in to get me a stitch. Oh, 
Oh gosh, so, so that's we're thinking what he coral. Told y'all. And Catherine says, "Oh well, just bring him in and dump him off, and we'll bring him home." And you and Marcus and, and I mean you and Lincoln go back spearing. He said, "No, we've had a good day." And we'll Willie just, never we'll just stay here. He never calls spearing early because he loves it so much. When he called it, we knew something was up. We're like, something's but we going were in on a here. Dilemma because bumped into something sharp. I'd say bumped so. into something sharp. On good the one, Dad. That was nobody's <laughs> line. Just so Mom and I get to the clinic when Dad shows up and his face is falling off. Mom and I are freaking out. We don't believe you because you that video which Will did <laughs> is the classic. Which that is the classic, which nobody's seen but us, well, and it is one for the ages. It's just so well. Dad tells perfect. us his shark, his face has been bit by a shark, and you have been known to be a tall tailor sometimes. Well, when I know everything is okay, you like to add color to your stories, you know. I might, I might exaggerate, yeah, or, or make up a tall tale. Else. Yeah. So, dad's like, Oh, yeah, I got bit by a shark, and mom and I are like, No, no, you didn't. And mom used a few choice words and was like, tell me the truth, Steve. She's looking at Will. She's looking at Lincoln. And because she knows all of us have been inclined when everything's okay to kind of go a different thing. She said, you tell me the truth. With a She's lot of choice words tone. in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sobbing like a happy. blubbering idiot. It was pretty Shakira adorable. did a great job. Your nurse, she'd never done anything well, like Well, anyway, this. so we go in and we just, I sit down. And, you know, by then I've seen the photo. I know that, uh, how much time we got left? Uh, we need to wrap up in like five minutes. Okay. We get to the clinic, and they call the nurse in. It's about the size of this thing right here. It's not big. It's small and It's room. open air, and the nurse comes in on Saturday named... Shakira. Shakira. And she's pretty adorable because she looks at me and she says, we're going to ship you to the mainland. And I said, I said, what mainland? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know she meant... Green chart. I didn't know she meant treasure. Or Where she, she went? You're like, nope, she can't. Nassau or this. I said, no, you can do this. So you and coached she her. She goes in. She said, no, no, I'm not doing this. And so we go back in, get on the table, and she looks at me and she said, I got to make a call here. I said, secure. We can do this. And so she takes Sharon in the other room, and and she tells Sharon that she's about to have a panic attack. She said, I've done some stitching, but I've never done a shark bite. I said, we need to take him to the mainland. Sharon said, no. You can do this. That he does lots of surgery and y'all get through it together. The thing I liked about it was it was so clean. It was open air. Mm -hmm. You're not dealing with a lot of the issues that you're dealing with in a, a big hospital. And I knew I was going to get, there was nobody else there. I was going to get her undivided attention. And I'm a guy. And she said that you actually kept her calm. <laughs> Well, but that's what I said. I'm a guy, and any male needs, needs a, a few, few stars. You're crazy. Strategic stars you know, on the place to have that edgy look. You know you're crazy. What do you mean? To think that a few scars look. Well, I've good. already got the cute girl. So <laughs> what? What's so, the deal? So anyway, all, she sewed it up, did a wonderful job, saline it, disinfected it with iodine, stitched it up with proline suture knew exactly what she was doing. As we went through, she'd take photos and send them to the doctor, the medical doctor on the mainland, wherever that was. And then both she and I would talk to the medical doctor. So this is very interactive. Gave me a tetanus shot, put me on antibiotics for five days, which we happen to have with us, but they sent some more over. So all in all... I mean, as far as having a shark bite to the face, 
you couldn't have gotten out better. And now you do. You have well, that Jason Bourne why, edgy look. Here's why my granddaughter Genevieve, interestingly enough, my Sharon's grandmother name is Lovey. My grandmother, my grandfather name, that Sharon, Catherine, and Caroline figured out is lucky and you lived up to it i've always been so lucky and i'm so lucky to have them so as luck would have it when it bit me right there the plastic side of my mask stopped it and i had a big dive knife right here with a big handle so when it bit me on the knee got me on both sides it didn't tear either place it hit the hard metal or plastic apparently and let up rather than complete the bite and tear something out so so you've truly lived into your name lucky lucky and you I love seem, that shark you I love seem that shark. to be in good spirits about it all most people probably be freaking out losing years off their life but not you what have you learned from it all so much of life is about timing and luck and i read an article one time in the paper about a guy about a boat falling out of an airplane and hitting a guy in the head and killing him mm-hmm. well how random is that and so like I said at the beginning, you don't want to be stupid, but you definitely want to take a few chances. It's funny that I asked my 96-year-old grandmother, Mimi, uh, one time, uh, I was just talking to her, I said, Mimi, if you had to do it differently, what would you what would you do? And she looked at me, didn't bat an eye, and she said, I would have taken more chances. Really? Mm-hmm. So you lived by that. So I like to wrap up with Leave Your Light which is leave inspiration, how, codes you live by, and something you want to inspire people by or something that inspires you. Which Rock ties in well to Shark yeah. Bite. Rock and roll. You know, just, just decide that life is a good thing. That it's fun and you're going to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, be the best you can at what you do. And somebody's always, as far as making a living, somebody's always going to want what you do if you're really good at it. That's True. been my motivating thing. It's not, I've never thought about making a living. I've just thought about be the best at what I do. And somebody's always going to want that. Or if not, have the island plan. And the island plan is uh, for us has always been if dentistry ever didn't work out, we'd just come to the Bahamas and open a little dive shop and, you know, I'm not going to jump off a cliff. So that that would be my, my leave is this is the best time you could possibly be alive. You've got more opportunity, more things you can do. Just take advantage of it and don't try to be... A, don't let a little shark bite no, hold you back? No, try to be a good person. Tip big. You know, don't don't focus on yourself and... I think that's, that's it. it. I think Lucky's a fitting name for you, Dad. And we're writing a book. I got bit in the shark. I got bit in the face by a six-foot shark because that is something—a tale that needs to be told. So y'all well, be looking honestly, for it. It's going to be a, on newsstands next year. Uh, you you <laughs> have been talking about this, and I can see why people might be—it's happening—a little interested in that. So everyone be prepared for knows. that. Oh, I. You know, there's one other thing. What? I have a whole new appreciation for social media. Because, oh, because you went viral. Well, it was never intended to be that way. You know, you, you you think about when you go home, you can't just show up with your face bitten by a shark. You've got to let your family and friends know. And so Caroline and Sharon and Catherine just posted on their webs on their what? Fa- Instagram, Instagram. Instagram. And Facebook. 
that this had happened. Well, Julie Hayes was a on the Waco News of the Waco was a TV anchor. Was one of Caroline's friends. She called Caroline, wanted to talk to me. Talked to me. Boom. That one Kaboom. piece from Waco got picked up by everyone and, in the country. I mean, we've been talking to people from Norway, and <laughs> London, and the capital of this, the State Department, Fox, USA up. Today. Yeah, and but that my message, my leave message is, it's not the shark's fault. Don't be afraid of sharks. That shark was doing its job. We have to have sharks to clean up the ocean to get rid of dead and injured fish. So. It was just strictly a timing thing. We were in his environment, and it worked out that way. So uh, no fear. people should never be afraid of just snorkeling in the ocean, especially if it's clear water. And if you're spearfishing, just be respectful and pay attention. Steve Lucky Cutbirth survived a shark bite to the face. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. All right. Bye. My favorite interviewer. Hey, thanks. You're my favorite dad. Talking, hey, what's on your mind? She's on the inside, she got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. I hope that you loved hearing from my dad. I still can't believe that he got bit in the face by a shark. Like, I can't process it sometimes. I'm like, what? And you're fine? And what? Uh, I love him so much. He's an incredible father. He's an incredible man. And I think he has so much advice and wisdom. I'm so glad he got to share. Next week, I have Tony Brown. This dude is one of the biggest producers producers in music, period. He is considered the founding father of alternative Americana country. He has had over 40 years in the music business, over 100 number one songs, and over 100 million album sales he has been a part of. He has produced Reba, Vince Gill, George Strait, Brixton Dunn, Trisha Yearwood, Rodney Crowd, to name a few. He's incredible. He's won a Grammy, and he's so, so sweet and interesting. And he's writing a book talking about all of his experiences with all these pictures with these greats. He also played in Elvis's band. What? And Emmy Lou Harris's band. He played piano. So y'all get excited for Tony Brown next week. You're not going to want to miss it. <laughs>